0: Mo'adim lesimcha, everybody. Happy Sukkot to everybody with us and it's so exciting to continue with the beginning of Sefer Shemot. Now the the people in charge of the 929 program in Israel decided that the Yom Tov days should also be days when we do uh, the chapter, so that means that there weren't recordings and links sent yesterday and the day before for chapters two and three, so I'm going to try in my piece now to try and share a, an idea which really runs through the chapters uh, not just of today, and through the stories and the texts, not just of today's uh, Perek, perik Dala chapter four, but also the previous two days chapters as well. In Perek Bet chapter two, we meet the young Moshe. Moshe, who we are told is smuggled away as a baby away from his family in order to have his life saved, grows up in Pharaoh's palace, and he is somebody, as we are presented throughout the chapter, who the passion for justice runs in his bones. First, he sees the Egyptian attacking the Jew on the street, and he intervenes, slaying the Egyptian. The next day, he, atta- he sees the two Jews fighting with one another, and he intervenes to bring peace between the two of them. When the news gets out, when he realises that he is, it is known that he is the one who killed the Egyptian on the previous day, he flees to Midian, and there, once again, involved himself in the on the side of the weak, seeing the daughters of Yitro being attacked by the shepherds at the well, he intervened on their behalf, Vajav Shum, and he drives them away. Nachama points out that each of these three interventions on Moshe's behalf on the side of the weaker party against oppression and against the abuse of power these are not actually identical cases but rather each one captures a different element the first time moshe identifying as a jew steps in to prevent egypt the egyptian from attacking the jew this is moshe protecting his people but the next time this is not an external attacker but rather it is an internal fight a moshe says that he is involved in that too in other words Moshe does not care simply about anti-semitism if you like does not simply care about the external aggressor he also is caring about what is going on in the Jewish community itself he cares about both the outer and the inner and the third occasion is actually now an altogether different example this involves neither side being part of Moshe's people it is neither Jew nor Egyptian involved in the story instead rather it is Midianite shepherds against Midianite women Moshe in theory has no connection to this whatsoever and yet Moshe gets involved once again on behalf of the weak. This is who Moshe is. He has the passion for justice burning in his bones. That is chapter two. And that is clearly our introduction to Moshe and why he matters so much. And yet, despite all this, when in the following chapter, Peret Gimel, yesterday's chapter, Hashem now reveals himself to Moshe at the burning bush and says, I am Hashem. I am the God of Israel, the God of your forefathers. I've heard the cry of my children in Egypt, embittered by slavery. And I wish to intervene on their behalf and save them from oppression. And I want you to be my partner in this endeavor. What we are surely expecting is Moshe to jump at the chance. We are expecting Moshe to say, I've been fighting this fight. Until now, just by myself, I believe I've thought that I've been alone. I haven't known that you are here and that you are active. Of course, absolutely. How on earth could I turn this down? This is the goal that I have been working to, that I've been dreaming of. And yet what we have instead is Moshe's huge reluctance to actually take up God's offer. Chapter three, once Hashem has made his offer is instead filled with many of Moshe's hesitations. How will they know that it is you who have sent me? Moreover, he says I'm I'm heavy of I'm I haven't got perfect speech. What signs shall I so show them? How will Paro listen to me? And it's really hard to understand what has occurred between Moshe the fighter for justice in chapter two and Moshe so hesitant to actually return to Egypt in chapter 3. And the answer is an extremely simple one. It's one which actually just involves reading a few verses and doing a basic bit of calculation, but which should actually fundamentally change our understanding of the whole story. And that is the few verses at the beginning of chapter three, where we read as follows: "Omoshe well, Haya, pardon me, not I beg your pardon. The verses at the end of chapter two, pasuk kaf gimel verse 23. 'B'Hayah harabim ha'hem.' It was in those many days." V'yamot Melech Mitzrayim and the king of Egypt died and Israel groaned from their heavy labour. V'yar Elohim it ben and God saw the children of Israel and remembered them. And then we go on to describe Moshe being a shepherd and God appearing to him at the burning bush. It was in those many days. How many days? Let us ask ourselves. How old is Moshe in chapter 2 when he runs away from Egypt. The Ramban suggests that he is 12. Now, whilst that might be on the lower end, I think everybody would agree that he is a young man. We see in front of us a young man. And yet, how old is he in chapter three when God reveals himself to him? Here, we just need to do a little bit of a calculation backwards. Well known it is that Moshe dies aged 120. Well known it also is that for the previous 40 years he is leading Israel through the desert. In other words, 120 minus 40 equals 80. Moshe leads the people out of Egypt when he is aged 80. Moshe, as we have said, runs away from Egypt the first time as a young man. Even let's say he is 20. That means that there is a silent 60 years in the text In just that little bridge between chapter two and chapter three, between Moshe fighting for justice against the Egyptian, between the Jews, against the Midianite shepherds on the one hand. And in chapter three, he is no longer a 20 year old, but rather an 80 year old, or at least in his late 70s, where God says to him, let us do this together. And what has happened to Moshe in all of those many, many years in between? What I would like to suggest, and this is based on the wonderful analysis of my teacher of Moshe Lichtenstein in his book about Moshe, that during those years, Moshe has come under the influence of his father-in-law Yitro. And Yitro, a religious figure in his own right, but one who understands that the goal of the religious person in this world is to withdraw from the suffering and injustice so innate and inherent in human society, and rather to find a connection with God in the wilderness, away from the immorality and the injustice of human society. And that is what Moshe has undergone. He has been schooled by his father-in-law that in fact fighting for justice in this world is a futile task. And so when God reveals himself to Moshe in chapter three, this comes to Moshe's shock. He is having to rediscover who he was, becoming something again that he thought he had left in his past. This carries on into chapter four with Moshe once again saying many times over, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Until we get to the very final end of chapter 4 where we have this very strange scene where it seems that once God has finally convinced Moshe that it is time to return to Mitzrayim Moshe or perhaps it's Moshe's son is put into a life-threatening situation hamito God attempts to kill him on the way back and this scene So strange and so ambiguous, why on earth would would God want to kill Moshe, or rather kill his son, when he has now agreed to the task, seems to be placed there in order that Moshe is able to understand something of what God himself has gone through. In watching his children suffer in Egypt Moshe who has withdrawn and who has become almost part Midianite now needs to have his connection with God sorry his connection with the Jewish people re-cemented the way in which he does that is to understand what it is like on God as the father's behalf to see his children suffering in Egypt wishing everybody a wonderful day